Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my fabulous co-hosts, Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And we'll be here with you for the next hour, talking about all the things that have piqued our interest this week and a little thing, few things that have really, really annoyed us too. As ever, we're starting with our news review. Nat, what is the top story for us this week? The story that I think you kind of fail to miss, uh, especially on social media, is Time's Person of the Year. And this year, the award went to the Silence Breakers, all of the men and women that stood up and used the Me Too hashtag to talk about uh, sexual abuse, sexual harassment uh, and rape across a number of, of industries. And for those of you that don't know, um, Time releases this every year. Their Person of the Year isn't always a person it can be an issue it can be a cause but it's the one thing that has changed society or the world or had the biggest impact on society and or the world for that year so last year interestingly it was trump and people were like but how, how is he person of the year and it's because it's not good or bad it's right. just this person this thing has had an impact in this year this thing. <laughs> i think we have that an orange thing <laughs> this year even though it was the end of the year, the thing that has changed society the most has been Me Too. And all of these people that have started this conversation about primarily the abuse of women and the sexual abuse of women. And the thing that I think is really fantastic about it is that actually we talked about this on the show about whether or not this was societal change, mm. about whether it was going to have an impact, whether it be something that was a big kind of fuss for a while and then it would die down and nothing would change. And this is time actually endorsing the fact that they think it has fundamentally changed society, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. Emma. Also, I found really interesting. I think for me, this is the first time I have ever seen women coming out and talking about sexual harassment or something that's happened, and or, and being like they they look like heroes. Mm-hmm. They're being portrayed mm-hmm. as heroes. And I've in my lifetime, I've never ever seen a woman who has come out against, uh, you know, or you know, come out against sexual harassment and been. Um, Absolutely. Celebrated. Celebrated, exactly. And believed the first time. It it took a while for it to get Mm. to believed the first time. But now I think it is really a case of as soon as a woman says, actually, this happened to me, people are backing her. Whereas before it was like, oh, but what what were you wearing? Yeah. Did you go to the room? Were you a bit drunk? Yeah. Yeah. But you went for dinner with him. Yeah. That has just stopped. And that might just be in my vacuum. So I apologise if there are people saying this is not, not the case. But women are being believed the first time. The other thing that's really um, fantastic and important about this cover is if you look at it, you will see that there are um, five or six women on the cover and then there's just an elbow on the side of it. So you'll Mm. see somebody's elbow on the side of the cover. And Time did that deliberately. They haven't cropped somebody out. They've done it deliberately to um, recognise the number of people that spoke up about their experiences anonymously, that don't want to be recognised in public, that don't want to be the face of it, but want to put their voices to the Me Too campaign and say, actually... This is not a one-off incident. It is an epidemic and we need to talk about it. And I just thought that was the most beautiful piece of photography and recognition and understanding about this issue. That actually it's 
yes, it's an act of heroism to talk about it, but it's really, really hard. And we shouldn't expect people to stand on a public stage to do it. We should also allow them the space to talk about it anonymously mm. or within their own comfort zone. And time doing that and recognising it is such an important understanding of how we talk about sexual harassment, rape, violence, all those issues that are difficult to talk about. Mm. Waiting for the British <laughs> press to follow suit. <laughs> Any and, second yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Any second now. Uh, so our second story this week um, is a piece of legislation that the Labour Party have said they would like to put forward and it's concerning domestic violence. Uh, they are putting forward this um, piece of legislation based on um, an Australian piece of legislation which says that um, all employers will have to offer 10 days leave to victims of domestic violence. Um, domestic violence leave, essentially. And it's there to ensure that if they are, for example, going to doctors or moving house or have to go and see a counsellor or have legal appointments, that they can take the time off without being fired, without having to use their holiday, without having to use their sick leave. I think it's an amazing, amazing idea. I really support it. I want to see it happen. That's my view. Well, I... <laughs> Emma. I, I, I'm really torn. When we were talking about this in a production meeting, I was like, half of me thinks it's amazing because you're right, it's focusing on uh, domestic violence. It's giving people an opportunity to speak about it. The other half of me is, where are these progressive workplaces? Why are we still talking about allowing people 10 days leave when they're going through a crisis? I was also thinking to myself, there are any number of reasons that you could have a crisis and you need time off work. What about all of that? To me, it's just like, it's progressive in in some aspects and then totally backwards in the other because well you know for me it's uh, it's uh, fifth level uh, progressive uh, i agree that it's needed but it will only work in organisations where women would feel comfortable actually approaching their hr department to say i am going through a domestic violence case because until that happens, and it's the same with mental health, we're still seeing stats where people say, if I go to HR and say that I have a mental health issue, I feel like I will be penalised, I won't get promotions, and I might be fired. But so until actually... that changes, will people, will women come forward and say, I am a victim of this, or will they still continue to take holiday? So There's... I think changing policy and changing the framework of work so that actually yeah. we respect that things happen in life. Yes, but that's not enough. It's not enough. And this is the thing that I think is really important when we, we don't talk about domestic violence. We do not talk about it. We push it under the carpet. It is an issue that affects predominantly women. But you're making the assumption this policy will change that. Yeah. And I'm saying this isn't this isn't the antidote to get more people talking about domestic violence at work. No, yeah. but because I think it didn't if, happen if with have, mental health. No, but that's we don't have legislation around mental health. We have legislation around ill health. Physical and mental. No, n now, no, now we do. So things have changed. Now there's a campaign and there's a narrative. People can talk about it more at work. But the, the, the actual... Yeah, it but was in contracts and it didn't happen. So I'm saying this isn't enough. We we need to be talking no. about we need to we need to be talking about life crisis and yeah. things that happen at work. No, more broadly. because when we talk about life crisis, we dumb it down. We dumb it down. Do when we talk mean? about life crisis, we put domestic violence in the same place as we would put. And I'm sorry, it's a sad thing. We put a parent dying. That is a life crisis. It is a sad, horrible event to happen. But it is not the same as domestic violence. And we need to be able to give people the space mm. to talk about it and I think when we don't use the words we then don't allow other women to use the words it is difficult is there, is there a reason they've, they've focused on focused on domestic violence and what and what has made them go it's 10 days so I think 10 days is because you know essentially they've got to come up with a number okay. right you've got to come up with a number and they've gone let's what's a number that's going to look like it's a nice number of days but it's not too scary two weeks 10 days job done you know, coming up with a number is the hard bit but I think the reason they focused on domestic violence is because we know that actually when people are going through domestic violence, one of the issues they can face is becoming really flaky at work. So they might decide they're trying to leave their partner. They might think, OK, I'm going to take a morning off to move. And then moving takes the whole day. But they can't talk about why it's taking so long. They can't talk about the fact they've got a counselling appointment. They can't talk about the fact that they can't come in because they've had to go to the hospital. Why we, can't they talk about mm, it, though? Because yeah. we do not use the words. We don't use the words domestic violence. And so people feel 
they can't use the words themselves. But also, we don't no, have I a working the focus environment. Is the wrong thing. We don't. That I, I'm the same. I kind of feel like we should be at a place where you know, pe- the, traditionally in work, it's been about bums on seats. You've got to be there nine to five. Yeah. Do the work. We'll pay you as little as possible. Just get it done. We've got. We are moving, and the companies that don't start to acknowledge this is that your employees are going to be fundamental to the success of your business. So if you don't look after them and you're not aware of what's going on in their life beyond when they're at work, then you're not going to you're not going to have a workforce. People are not going to work for you. There are lots of things that women do not feel comfortable talking about. Whether you know taking time off for a miscarriage, do women talk about that? Taking That's time a crisis. off, for, exactly. So I'm just saying this is not the this is not the only solution. There is possibly a more holistic solution yeah. that would enable women to feel comfortable talking about domestic violence at work. Yeah, if that's I a challenge. Just don't, I just feel like putting the words life crisis around domestic violence is trivialising. But anyway, we will agree to disagree, but tell us what you think. Tell us what you think. Do tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Should it be coming into legislation? Should this be something we're campaigning for? Tell us what you think. We always like to know. Um, our final story this week is a bit of a lighter one. Emma... Advertising, oh, you, the you advertising industry. <laughs> you say lighter. These things make me go. <laughs> <laughs> Pandora. You're familiar with the high street mm. brand Pandora. Mm-hmm. Those lovely like charm bracelets that you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did a, a an advertising campaign that they just splashed across everywhere, all these train stations in Italy, and uh, it had the title: an iron, a, some pajamas, an apron, a Pandora bracelet. What would she prefer for Christmas? I mean, the pajamas. Like, I, I straight up. I mean, PJs. like, but just like, what? Why? Come like, come on, guys. I'm just guys because it was it was men. Yeah. It must be men, wasn't it? It's always like, the men. Yeah, because uh, if, a, if a woman had written that, I'd be like designer handbag, <laughs> and I won't be on there. Definitely not an apron. A chef, <laughs> personal uh, toy driver. boy, or a Bandora bracelet. That would be my, that would have been my ad campaign. So yeah, definitely don't buy guys. But anyway, but what Christmas like, ads generally are a bit rubbish, aren't they? Like they're generally. A bit rubbish. No. 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 What Page. Christmas ad have you seen that's rubbish? Oh, well, I mean, so I can't, I actually can't watch TV at the moment because this ad keeps coming up and it's making me so mad. It is, it's actually not really even particularly offensive. I just hate it so much. <laughs> it's the Vodafone ads with Martin Freeman in, no, um, where he is the slightly useless man attempting oh, to woo God. this woman. And it started off with him and, you know, in Italy being kind of a bit bullshit about spending some money. Never date a mean man. Rule number one. Uh, and now it's moved to him turning up on this random woman's... She appears to own a beach with a castle and a butler. I don't know. Um, turning up there and saying, oh, sorry, I didn't call you. I ran out of credit. So she gives him a phone and says, well, now you've got a gift that I was going to give to my grandmother, but I'll give it to you instead. What is she you can doing? Huh? Yeah. I'm just confused. Well, it's what ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Okay. But for me, what I find fundamentally so annoying about it is it promotes this idea that women should just expect men to be a bit useless no Martin Freeman pull your socks up do you you not think Christmas ads revert to the simplest lowest common denominator at this time of year so it's usually it's love it's uh, it's 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 very specific domestic roles. Rose so I think glasses. actually, isn't there? I think there's a Pandora ad which is something similar. Uh, the the oh, one in the UK. The she models. opens no, she opens the box, and in the box is a um, a cooking pot thing. The you know those big uh, stewing oh, pots. The and the, you, the, that one, that one. And she looks up at the boyfriend. She's like, what? And then he kind of does a an eye wink. She opens it again, and then there's a, a ring in it or so something. He, oh my Pandora! What so you doing? So very quickly best Christmas adverts is the one that you love this year Tesco's I love Tesco's because what I love about Tesco's that no one else seems to have done is um, realise that not everybody does have this Christmas where everyone's round a table having a big dinner and people have celebrate Christmas in lots of different ways some people are by themselves and they're just gone however you do Christmas shop at Tesco's so I love them for that (laughs) which is essentially the message they want to get across right I must admit I wouldn't be doing my Christmas shopping at Tesco's so I have two I have Debenhams and John Lewis John Lewis because I think the little boy's just really cute and the John Lewis because I mean a bit of love lost love 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 rekindled it's all love I don't know I think they're all terrible what Mm. do you think do you love a Christmas (laughs) advert come tell us tweet us at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour and tell us Um, coming up next we have the amazing broadcaster, author, podcaster, presenter, renaissance badass woman, basically. (laughs) Cherry Healy is joining us in the studio coming up next. (laughs) 
Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we are also super excited to have the truly amazing Cherry Healy. I am buzzing to be here. It's not just because I've had a caffeine pill. It is because I am so happy. You guys are absolutely incredible. So this is a real treat for me. Pay you later. Thank you. <laughs> so just before the break we were talking about the truly horrendous adverts and you have on your Instagram stories this morning, one that you hate I yeah. saw one the other day that made me stop in my tracks and me and my daughter had a big conversation about feminism and stereotypes as a result of it so you know the silver lining but it's for Lavazza coffee I don't know if that's how you say it but it's an Italian coffee and the advert basically runs like this a guy walks into his bedroom and there's his sexy girlfriend he's like do I have sex with you or do I walk my dog and then the next scene is girls <laughs> chatting like silly sausages in a spa and the, and the word at the bottom is gossiping and then you see all these men in a boardroom and it says doing business and it's basically talking you through how you can drink your coffee <laughs> so silly sausages <laughs> women and it's just awful I mean how that's allowed on television I don't know so Jerry, tell us we know you best really as a broadcaster and presenter you are all over our tv doing like really fun things basically <laughs> yes. and what i really love is i have this sometimes i think about things i wonder what it'd be like just to think about mm, how i feel about my body oh look cherry healy's doing a show on it <laughs> i wonder what it'd be like to be a single mum oh cherry healy's got a show on it i love it it's like every single thought that you have as a kind of woman you're like actually i want to investigate this and talk about it on the bbc how does one get a career doing that <laughs> it is so fun i mean i suppose the same question to you i mean you're doing this amazing radio show you get to talk oh, about things that really loving. matter we really care about it isn't that the joy of life trying yeah. to work out yeah. what is going on I mean, that is that is the, one of the things I love most about my job is collectively with other people working out, like, what does this mean for us right now and how has mm-hmm. life changed? And I suppose I started as a runner, researcher, assistant producer. Yeah. Um, and then somebody said, oh, they're looking for an immersive journalist to really get involved in somebody's life. And it was very, and so I, I volunteered <laughs> and I never thought anything would happen. I actually just, we made a little taste of tape, me and my producer friend, and he sent it off because he's just one of those people, you know, one those people who just get stuff done. Yeah, oh, I we love made them. the tape, and you know, I went to drama school, so I've you know, I've done all these things. No one ever sends <laughs> off the tape, you just make, you know, have a laugh. So he'd sent it off, and then uh, BBC Three came back and said, Okay, and I did it, and it was so fantastic. And I'd been working in television for quite a while at that point, anyway, and it really wasn't that different, except for I had to brush my hair and wear mascara. <laughs> but in terms of like television, whether you're in front or behind the screen, for me, it's very similar because you get in a car at six in the morning, you all drive to Milton Keynes or wherever it is, you have a, you know, derelict dunker on your way there, and um, it's very. I mean, I love it. I think we tell you it's one of those things where you can't pretend to love it. Mm. Yeah. It's always six in the morning and it's always a Dairy Lee Dunker <laughs> and it never changes. But I love all of that. Your stories, though, your documentaries, because I've followed you for the past few years and your documentaries seem to follow your life experiences as well. Are you pitching to the stations or is it that you're going to that life experience and then the station goes, actually, do you want to do something around that? A little bit of both. So with the BBC Three documentaries, um, that was really back and forth. So they um, they were the one who they were the ones who asked for the drinking documentary which was the first one I did and then naturally as my life unfolded unraveled uh, <laughs> those subjects came up but they also pitched some with the single mum documentary for Women's Hour that was I pitched to them and it was something they'd been thinking about um, that was really wonderful to make um, and there's one that I've been pitching at the moment, which is uh, with uh, with this amazing development producer. It was totally her idea. I'm not going to steal it in <laughs> any way. Um, about can I say? Probably commission. not. But it's yeah. about probably not yeah. yet. Yeah. But it's it's very much looking at um, or, um, 
body augmentation which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting, interesting. as yeah. I'm getting into my 40s there are all sorts of procedures mm. I'm earning a little bit more money now there's a little bit more disposable income yeah. do I want my eyes down my nose down my lips whatever yeah. it is mm. you know it's it's a subject I think that's quite fascinating because I think it was a bit taboo 10 years ago it's not a taboo no. anymore is are it? you no. naturally curious I mean do you wake up and you're just like oh my god I'm consumed by all of this information and then you know it all sort of effervesces and then you produce yes stuff you start talking and content comes out i'm so fascinated in how other people are doing it Mm. and how they're wangling it because i always feel like i'm blagging it have i got it right and other people create a barometer that you can just for a moment think all right i'm all right and and or you know everyone has such great tips so whether it's that you want to have a baby you want ivf you want to adopt you want to get divorced you want to sort out your money you want to get your hair done other people are so important in making for me in making those decisions and it must be the same for you i mean you're asking questions all day long again you can't really i don't think you can pretend that yeah you're either desperately in need of other people's input or not yeah what's the one thing that somebody's told you or you've learned from someone that you feel has had the biggest impact on your life that's so interesting um so, oh, I love it when I ask a question. God, that's, <laughs> really, that's really good. That's really. It's got to be something about. It's got to be something about the body. It's got to be about the body because oh, it's been something that's really haunted me all my life. Because it's what you wrote your book about. Yeah, it? definitely. So. And it's such a waste of time, and it it, it it annoys me daily that it's such a big. It's such a big gremlin. Yeah. And. I think only now as I'm actually starting to feel better about myself and really get a grip on it, I look back now and realise how bad it was. I think at the time yeah. you're so immersed in it. And mm. also I I lived with that constant, constant narrative of hate wow. that it's only when that goes and there's a bit of air and breeze and there's you know the sun starts to shine and you look back and go, God, that was, yeah. so, that was so bad. I mean, I did all sorts of crazy stuff, but I was never anorexic to the point where I was in hospital but I think if you'd looked inside my brain at the narrative mm-hmm. you'd have probably wanted to give me a massive cuddle and, mm-hmm. and yeah. Where do you think that comes from in our culture and how can we protect against it for the next generation because it must be something you've got daughters yes. you think, okay how do I make sure they don't grow up with the same narrative. Absolutely coming back to your question before mm. I actually think that that is kind of within the same answer is that I think somebody said to me along the way and I can't remember who it was but it's not. It's way too clever for me to have come up with on my own. <laughs> they were like, imagine being on your deathbed and you're, you're 88. You've got to the age of 88. You haven't been run over by car or anything like that. You know, well done, 88. <laughs> you're looking back at your life and everything that you've done. And you only get a certain amount of life tokens and brain tokens. And imagine knowing that you'd spent so many of those worrying that your thighs weren't right yeah. <laughs> or your tummy wasn't perfect why i mean just it hold sucks. on to that i mean the sadness of that is overwhelming and i thought i i cannot let that happen i've got to so my 88 year old self informs so much of my daily life she's with That's me all That's a the great time way to look at it isn't mm. it because i feel the same like in my early 20s i think it was growing up you know with a hyper visual culture looking at magazines quite a lot and in my early especially in my early 20s totally obsessed about how I looked but not in a positive way do you know what I mean because I was seeing all these magazines and comparing myself to all these models at the time was like the Kate Moss like super skinny and I just look back now and I'm like god you're quite a smart girl actually Emma what would you have done in your 20s if you hadn't been so preoccupied about that nonsense like so you have two platforms where you speak to women outside of the the TV shows so the first one just to tee it up I'm going to say a word that's banned by Ofcom (laughs) when I say it you'll be listening thinking huh but anyway the book is called letters to my fanny Mm. and so i'm keen to know what was it like producing that and having that conversation with women and then you've got hotbed collective so how do you how do you determine which which medium you use to speak to women and what you want to say so the book's very much a the 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 experience that I had growing up and also the revelations the wonderful revelations that you have as a woman growing up where you think I'm so much more than my body that's so great I'm really nice and I'm a good friend and I'm not all the time I could my friends will be listening going you haven't called me for ages I try my best I'm a really good mum I'm definitely a good mum 
Um, and um, I've got some interesting things to say. And these are all valid, wonderful things. And so you rebuild your house of value. Mm. Um, you know, when you're growing up, I think the, you know, like with the Lavaza advert, we are constantly, constantly reminded that we are about where, how sexy we are, we're how attractive we are. We're like ornaments for other mm. people. And as you get older, you, you take a hammer and you knock that down and then you rebuild your house of who you are. And that's a lovely, lovely thing. So that book very much kind of looks at that and finding value in yourself as a woman independent and you have to slightly close your eyes because I mean it's sad that we all grew up in the Kate Moss era unfortunately Mm, because I think it's affected so many women it has with me I mean I'm I would say I'm not overweight but I constantly feel chunky and square Mm. because I'm not of that nature and that's just ridiculous I mean it's ridiculous Ridiculous! Mm, yeah. oh, it's farcical, but it's once it's in your head, it can it can be quite bone deep. Yeah, yeah. it's quite hard to get rid of it. Yeah, so you have to be you have to be quite disciplined, I think. Um, and then on the hotbed collective, that's about talking to people about long term relationships. I mean, we all got together, uh, me and Lisa and Anarchy, and we for got anyone to- who doesn't know oh, what yes. is hotbed collective. Just hotbed quickly. collective is a group of uh, women, the three of us, and we want to address the problem of sex after kids because we all collectively have spoken to so many people whose relationships have suffered or are suffering because of that issue and we felt like it was something that really needed to be talked about the society talks about sexy sex you know tinder sex young sex the adidas commercial where everyone's (laughs) at a pool party (laughs) having sex and that's it that's basically it but we don't talk about the sex that a lot of people have most of the time which is in the evenings after you've watched a box set or in a long-term relationship so who talks about sex in long-term relationships mm. in a fun way yeah. Yeah. so we wanted to be fun and irreverent and silly but address a serious subject so that's really exciting because i do feel really strongly about that i mean essentially yes it's about sex but mostly it's about intimacy and mm. yeah. how to maintain because when marriage was invented, we said till death do us part. We only lived ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now we live eight yeah. decades. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, we need some help in how to stay And no one together. talks about how to be no. in a long-term relationship. I have friends the same. They've been together with their partners for a long while. And it's like, no one tells you how no. to maintain a relationship no. for that long. We've um, got this amazing doctor called Dr. Karen, and she gives us amazing tips. If anyone's interested or if anyone wants to adjust... Yes, uh, there's a website, Hotbed Collective hotbed collective and there's a a podcast coming out next year and there is a um instagram instagram is probably the best one to go to because i'll feed you through to all the others but the hotbed collective go for it and it's very much collective we're just gathering information if people want to write for it bring it on amazing love it um cherry is going to stay in with us because we have our favorite section coming up next our badass bulls ups where we (laughs) Really try and have we got better answering problems? Yes. I think yeah, we have. yeah. We like yeah. we use all yeah. our wisdom, over a hundred years of it, to answer your problems. Um, and we've got some real corkers this week that will be coming up after this short break. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minton. I'm joined by my co-host Emma Sexton, Natalie Campbell, and we still have the truly amazing broadcaster Cherry Healy in the studio. Um, So it's that time of our show where we listen to you give you our full attention mm. really try and understand your deepest deepest issues <laughs> like what to do at christmas and whether or not to tell your boss to f off when you've resigned that's what we're talking about this week um it is of course our badass balls ups uh nat you are first what's yes. our first one uh, so this one's about illness, uh, and this comes from Ellie on Insta. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I feel like I've been constantly ill for the last three months. I've got every bug going. I'm permanently exhausted, and I feel like I'm always behind on everything and playing catch-up. How can I take better care of myself in 2018? Oh, Ellie, I feel your pain. Mm. I feel your pain. So I've had a really weird couple of months. I had a, literally have had like a bug for 48 hours, and then I'm fine. And then a bug for 48 hours, and then I'm fine. And I think it's actually a sign of your body going, go on a holiday. <laughs> Take yeah. some time out. Actually get better. Look at what you are putting into me so that I don't feel quite as miserable as I already do. 
look after me, please. Please, mm. please, please. I don't listen to your body. I don't know. Sh- Cherry, I could be so bad at that. I am, I, I'm a Lemsip Max girl. <laughs> and I will just plough on and I will take caffeine pills and Lemsip Max. And I'll drink my kid's cowpaw. Um, do you know when you're in the kitchen, you're downing it in one. You're like, this is not good. <laughs> Mixing it with tonic water. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think predominantly when your body is... is falling apart it's it's it needs change it needs holiday it needs love it needs nights in it needs mm-hmm. box set in your duvet yeah, yeah definitely Emma, practical stuff what can we do to look after ourselves better in 2018 oh, well, one this oh, week yeah. yeah well i think when you're really stressed out it lowers your immune system so you'll get sick um i think also look at your nutrition maybe see a nutritionist because sometimes you can be devoid of vitamins um especially like this time of year and sleep i've been really prioritizing sleep i came up with this brilliant idea that two nights a week i'm going to get into bed at eight o'clock and go to bed really early it means i wake up at 6 a.m and then i have a lion so no more lions at the weekend (laughs) i'm having like lions midweek now it's changing my (laughs) life when you get into bed at 8 p.m are you are you going to sleep at 8 p.m listen to a podcast yeah i go to sleep because i'm like if i wake up early i'll wake up naturally i always feel better when i wake up naturally it's less stressful than your alarm clock going off and then it's like 5 30 and i'm like oh yeah nice i'm gonna get back into bed have a little lion <laughs> if you could see emma's face right now yeah. so, to herself. Yeah, exactly. so boring aren't i <laughs> so Ellie, get a pen my love right what you need <laughs> is ray and nephew rum it's a jamaican <laughs> white rum and if i get a little tickle little tickle or you know little tummy tummy upset just down a little bit and you have to let it really run down the throat and it burns it's 64% overproof so it's basically just pure alcohol you're literally sterilising yourself burn, yeah you are it just burns everything away so you know if you're on the move just take some of that but I think you also need preventative care so on the tube if someone sneezes hold your breath for a little while let that germ just kind of fizzle away wear gloves on the tube don't touch the railings because it's nasty so wear gloves don't put your fingers in your eyes these are preventative steps seriously it really really works and then take some vitamins in the morning so before you've left you've loaded up you're good to go but hold your breath don't touch the rails get some rum actually do you know what that is advice that your mother would give you that is great <laughs> advice now yeah. actually, I have to say yeah. since becoming freelance and I'm not going in and out of London on the less tube sick. and the buses mm-hmm. I have become significantly less sick yeah. so that is genius yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah watch out for that public transport mm-hmm. uh, second question this week Emma it is you what is it it is so this has come from Michaela via Twitter and she said this is it. I've decided I'm quitting my job in January. Hooray! I've hated it for the past year. I've saved up some money and I'm going to take some time off while I decide what my next step is. I cannot wait to tell my boss I'm leaving and see his face as he realises he's going to have to do all the work <laughs> I've been covering for the last year. I really want to resign in a memorable way. I've seen a couple of re- resignation videos that have gone viral and are really funny. What would you recommend? <laughs> oh my god. Love this one so much. Don't what do you think? Do Sorry, is, is, is resigning a moment to send yourself viral on the internet? <laughs> if you never want to work in that industry again and you want to do something like just walk dogs or move to Brazil, it's fine. But let's remember that other people can see it and they don't want to hire you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's not. I think it's not ideal. Not Unless ideal. you know exactly what you want your next step to be. But I think if you're umming and ahhing, don't do that. That's terrible. I now, is there a way to resign and like make a point maybe maybe make a bit of a point but also keep the relationship well, if you're resigning and it, again you don't really care about that industry you don't need to keep the relationship you don't want to be known as a horrible person because you never know who you might bump into in the street um, if you want to resign memorably just do some good work and then when you're gone and that great work isn't replicated they'll be like we really wish she was here Ah, oh, good Genius. point. Yeah. It's good always point. fascinating resigning, though. I do remember when I was employed and when I was younger, I'd be like, yeah, I'm leaving. Yeah, stuff you. Yeah, because I'm so good at my job and you're just all really annoying. <laughs> so you have this all like, you get really smug when you're handing your notice in. And literally, now I'm a boss, I'm a bit like, well, okay, well, you're on your own journey. That's fine. And then what you realise is no one's irreplaceable, basically. No one thinking about you. No, yeah. they, are, they don't care. They're like, okay, well, we'll just hire someone else. But Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. I Michaela, throw a party for your friends and family. Don't invite your colleagues. <laughs> Celebrate with them. Celebrate your freedom. Yeah, Enjoy quietly. it. 
But don't share it in the workplace because somebody is, they're going to send it viral for all the wrong reasons. Mm. And you just, it's the sort of STI you just don't want, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the wrong kind of virus. So, final problem this week. Um, this is a good one. I'm oh, it's so angry already. Right, so. Uh, this comes from oh it's an okay anonymous via Instagram and it's totally fine if, by the way if you do want to send us problems and you don't want us to read your name out that is completely fine just let us know and we will keep it quiet um, my friend has been in a relationship with a man she says she loves yet he still keeps her secret from his relatives and says he's not willing to compromise on future children's upbringing they have different religious beliefs they now live in different countries he keeps promising to move over to the UK, but anyone who is not wearing love goggles can tell he's not making an effort. Unless you call sending out one job application every two months making an effort. <laughs> my friend is smitten, and while I try to make her see the situation from my perspective, she's getting very defensive and keeps being the only one to fly over for visits, send him money as he's always short of it, and whatnot. I want to help, but I don't know how anymore. Should I just let her reach the very bottom on her own, or do I keep trying to talk some sense into her head? Oh well, he's having his cake and eating it, isn't he? he um, is. I feel like he's already broken up with her. It's just that he may not have told her. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. but whatever happens, that friend needs to hold her hand all the way down to the bottom. And if she gets to the bottom, fine. Don't leave her side because she's going to need you when she gets there. And that that just happens. But that that relationship hasn't got any legs. It's literally not a relationship. No, it is not one. I no. have to agree. I think that relationship hasn't got legs. But the problem is that's not your relationship. It's not your relationship. It is your friend's relationship. She is the one who's in it. And there will come a point when your friend will be sitting there being like, oh my God, what is she doing in that relationship? Why has she not got out of it? It is swings and roundabouts. Mm. Hold her hand, look after her. Try not to say, I told you so, when it all goes wrong. Oh, that's the worst. And maybe really talk to her about you know, getting them having bigger conversations before they have kids because that's not an area she wants to go into, I think. Nah. Mm. So you're a better friend than me, Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I'd be like, homie, what bag of foolishness is this? <laughs> that would be the first thing. And so she'd see my face, my friends see my face. And then I'd be like, look, if I was sitting here relaying this story to you, what would you say to me at each of these points? So she kind of removes herself and thinks subjectively about the situation. And then, like, I don't have tolerance for this because if every time you see me, you just want to moan about your situation, you're playing with my energy. So I'd be like, do you know what? I love you. Have your space. I've told you what you need to do. If you want to talk about this, you have to bring me new information. Don't just keep repeating the same old, same old. And if you're not happy, fix it. I cannot fix your life. And then they kind of go like, oh, oh, oh. and then they do something about it. I don't have time. I'm busy. <laughs> Emma, are you deleting this woman from your contacts? Well, <laughs> no, but I think the trouble is she just won't see it. She's already defensive. Yeah. She, Her subconscious knows this is not the ideal yeah. relationship, but for some reason she can't just walk away from this man. But I just think when they're when men make an effort, they make an effort. When they're not making an effort, you just got to walk away and go, bye, love. Yeah, I think maybe take her out for some nice nights out. Look after her. Make her feel loved so maybe she doesn't need yeah. his love. Keep telling yeah. her that she deserves better because she probably does. It is really yeah. simple, isn't it? Yeah. When they don't call, when they don't make the effort, yeah. Yeah. it's over. Not interested. Yeah. I mean, it's just there's no yeah. grey area on that, is there? When no. they move to another country. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, bless oh. her for, for oh. being so enthusiastic about that but come yeah. on right we all know men when a man wants something to win a race to get a job yeah. they will do whatever it takes yeah. if a man wants a woman he will get on a plane yes. yeah. if a man don't want you and he's in another country it, that's it that's yeah. the sign yeah. he's not yeah. there and if you're getting on the plane then you're just like making it so easy for him exactly. make him do some work but we have all been we have mm. all been in those relationships yeah. where you're like oh maybe oh he's just very busy mm. oh he's oh, had to move yeah. to the other country yeah. you know his job took him that you make excuses and mm. that is a human nature frailty that yes. that is love my darlings that is love mm. oh well Ugh. yeah as ever the last of the romantics here <laughs> <laughs> You've got a big sparkly heart on your t-shirt today. I it's do. so magical. It's true, love. Yeah. true love. It's all a facade, Jerry. All a facade. <laughs> if as ever you want our advice and guidance, we love to give it. We really do. We love we love fixing other people. Well, basically, we just love telling other people what to do. Um, but you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the Badass Women's Hour. Badass Women's Hour HR, because, you know, there's a, like 
character limit um, come talk to us we love to hear from you you can find us on all the socials we have to say a huge thank you to the wisdom and brilliance of Cherry Healy thank you so much for having me I've loved it we love you come back soon please anytime um, coming up after this break we have our kind of like really deep and important bit because it is our backdated badass it's a woman from history that you really need to know about and they're always amazing amazing incredible women so stay with us and that is coming up next across the UK online and on DAB (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Mincer Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm here with my co-host Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And it's heading towards the end of the show, but before we do, we like to give you a little education. We are talking about our backdated badass, a woman from history that you absolutely need to know about. And this week's is an American legend who's probably not as well known as her husband as her husband, even though she should have been ex-husband, in fact. And uh, introducing her this week, we are really lucky to have Helen Barrett, Work and Careers Editor of the Financial Times. Hi, Helen. Hi, Harriet. Hello. Uh, Hello. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Um, Tell us, who are you talking about this week? I am talking about Cyrita Wright. And who is Cyrita Wright, for anyone who doesn't know? Cyrita Wright. She was a soul singer... Um, a vocalist, a ranger, a songwriter, and a performer. From she was sort of active in the 1960s, 1970s, and she died in 2004. Um, she's best known for a duet she did with Billy Preston in 1979 called "With You I'm Born Again," which is quite a. Sort I of, love it, that song. It's a lovely song, but it's not representative of her work. There's so much more to her story. She's really, really talented. She was behind the reinvention of Stevie Wonder, who wow. was her husband in the late sort of 60s, early 70s. And she constantly lost out and was underrecognized in the history of music. I think she was a huge uncredited influence in later decades on people like Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. But she's got a great story that reflects you know, sort of how women are undersold and, and the lack of control they have over their careers in very subtle ways. Mm. So Cyrita Wright is my choice. Fantastic. And is she part of the Motown um, family of, of artists? Is, is that she her was, era? She was, yeah. So she was born in 1946 in, uh, in, in, a, in a sort of poor family in um, uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, she sort of arrived in Detroit via Carolina, um, and she was a she was an aspiring dancer, but she was unable to pursue that career because of a lack of money. So she decided to focus on singing, and of course, being in Detroit, 
the first place she headed to was Motown, mm. um, where she was employed as a receptionist when she was 19. Um, and of course, Motown, hugely successful record label, music label led by Barry Gordy at that point. So this was in 1965. You know, it was absolutely making a stack of money it has huge artists like the supremes the temptations marvin mm. gay stevie wonder later on they had the jackson five and Smokey robinson they were incredibly it was an incredible explosion of talent in detroit at that time black talent and um, this label was at the center of it and they were excellent at packaging and producing artists so if you were a poor um, you know, aspiring artist, you head straight to Motown and she got in as a receptionist. And so Helen, we've actually got a, a little clip just for anyone listening thinking, I wonder, I wonder what she sounds like. <laughs> this is exactly it. Why do you think she is not the household name that some of the other Motown artists are today. Well, she constantly lost out to Diana Ross, It's mm. um, as, as did so many of the women at Motown. So Diana Ross was, you know, the lead singer of the Supremes. She, laced, she left the Supremes in 1969 for a you know, massive solo career. She's extremely talented. She was the girlfriend of Barry Gordy, who ran Motown. And there were lots and lots of women who were equally talented, but who sort of constantly, there was a roll call of them. They were vocalists who constantly were in her shadow. Florence Ballard, Mary Wells, and Theresa yeah. was one of those. In fact, Theresa once described herself and her own career as Diana Ross's musical garbage can. Oh, oh God. God. So, I mean, it was, you know, Diana Ross was, was the star. She had the patronage. And other women, including Cyrita, lost out. Um, but she did okay. She she went from receptionist to uh, secretary. She was secretary to Nicky Stevenson, who was the key talent spotter. Um, and he started her off in the studio with hand claps. And then she started doing backing vocals. And she actually got her first Motown recording with a Diana Ross reject song called I Can't Give Up the Love I Feel For You. So even her first song was a Diana Ross reject. Oh. Do you know what her influence on Stevie Wonder was you said earlier that she um, she was influencing Stephen Wonder. Obviously, married to him for eighteen months. Yeah, so she she met Stevie Wonder in the late sixties, and this this changed her her life. He supported her with his patronage. Um, she recorded two albums um, that he sort of helped her produce. Um, they co-produced them and co-wrote them. The first was Cyrita in nineteen seventy two, which I think that clip. Um, spinning and Spinning was from Sarita. And then the second one was 1974 called Stevie Wonder Presents Sarita. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> so she, but they, these, are, these are brilliant albums and um, her, you know, it, they, they really showcase her vocal range. And it's really nice when you listen to them. And Helen, what for you is the thing that draws you the most to Sarita? Why have you picked her? Why is she your badass? <laughs> well, I think I think what's really interesting about her is that there's there's sort of there's three things really. The first is it's just that that musical garbage can quote has always struck me as being quite representative of how women tend to talk down their achievements. Mm -hmm. You know, they, we're very self depreciating, or we can be. Um, and I think we need to watch for that because she was so much more than that. And I think, secondly, um, it, 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 what happened to her and how her career ran, it was interesting how she was dependent on male patronage and she was ultimately probably not successful because she didn't gain that patronage in the way that, say, Diana Ross did. So, you know, she was um, she she didn't quite get Betty, Barry Gordy's patronage. And then later on, the, the people who succeeded her, who were clearly influenced by her, like Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. Whitney Houston had patronage from yeah. Clive Davis, who was head of Arista Records. And Mariah Carey had patronage from Tommy Motra, who was head of Columbia. He, she went on to marry Tommy Tommy Mortra, yeah. Diana Ross was Barry Gordy's girlfriend. You know, it, 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 there's like this sort of... It's a it theme. Of, there's a theme, exactly. And, and I think women in show business, as we've seen recently, are, 
you know, perhaps vulnerable to this. Um, and perhaps, you know, the, the, she just reflects, you know, the problem that women have in, you know, whatever career they're in. The thing that really struck me for this is also this idea that actually there can only be one woman. Why can there not be loads of brilliant women? We need more of them. All Thank of you us. so much yeah. for sharing her. She is an amazing, backdated badass. Um, we're coming towards the end of our show, but as ever, we like to leave you with a little something for the week ahead, something to live your life by in the next seven days. Uh, that is, of course, our Badass Principle of the Week. What is it this week, Nat? The Badass Principle of the Week this week is one we've used before, and it's Me Too. And it connects to the story that we uh, opened with at the top of the show, um, the time person of the year. And I'm choosing it because I hope we still, we go into 2018 still talking about Me Too. This is not just the thing of 2017. Um, there are still more stories to be told. And actually Me Too can connect with more than just sexual harassment. Where, you know, where are women talking about their domestic violence stories? Where are women talking about being left behind in the workplace? Where are the women talking about... Um, being more than just the only one and I, I hope Me Too really has traction in the UK as, a, as opposed to just being um, a staple of a, of a US narrative Fabulous, Emma what is it for you, what would you like to see next in the Me Too movement? Yeah well I think what's really interesting is just what Helen was saying and about you know she's just talking about um, Sarita and that sort of male patronage in terms of like you know women being successful because there's a man behind them mm. and I, I'm like oh my goodness that's so true like even today that still happens so I think for me too I really want to see that shift where you know we don't need to have these men in power to affect whether women are successful in their chosen career so um, I think yeah that shift I think that would be wonderful and I think for me it's about making space so um, making space for women's voices uh, so we have more stories more ideas more creativity coming through but from more different women because what we do tend to find is particularly when we're looking at working environments they go we need to get a woman in that position we've got a woman we're done mm. so let's actually have more than one let's have me too <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's have some more space not just one woman it is all women let's yes. bring us all into the fold that's our thought for this week um, but we will be here next week with more thoughts we have them all the time so we'll be here again uh, same time same place with the badass women's hour if you want to talk to us in the meantime come find us on twitter at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour or instagram facebook all the socials or you can come talk to us individually we love that too i'm at harriet minter nat at nat d campbell and emma at emma sexton and we'll be here again same time same place badass women's hour on talk radio Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.